Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear me, Jenny Scholick, in conversation with principal dancer Wei Wong. This interview was recorded on Friday, February 1st, 2019, before a performance of Helgi Thomason and Yuri Posakov's Don Quixote. Hope you enjoy. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to this Friday night Meet the Artist interview. Uh, I'm Jenny Scholick, the Associate Director of Audience Engagement here at San Francisco Ballet, and I am super pleased to be here tonight with principal dancer Wei Wong. Hi, everyone. <laughs> welcome. So a few items of housekeeping before uh, we get going. First off, this is one of many audience engagement events that we do here at the ballet. Uh, you can find them on our website under the events tab. Um, they include ticketed events. We've got one coming up called Exploring Etudes, which I think is going to be really fun uh, next weekend. Uh, as well as our pre-performance talks. We have these, Meet the Artist interviews. We also have uh, free Wednesday night points of view lectures. Uh, those are completely open to the public, so you don't need a ticket on a Wednesday night to come to those talks. And we do record these Meet the Artist interviews and those points of view lecture and release them as podcasts. Um, so you can find them on our website or on any of your favorite podcast players if you type in San Francisco Ballet. So you can, you know, listen back to this and hear us make fools of ourselves a second time. So that's it. I'm done with the housekeeping and would love to introduce Wei, who uh, came to the company as an apprentice in 2012, uh, joined as a member of the Corps de Ballet in 2013, was promoted to a soloist in 2016, and then to principal just this past year in 2018. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Um, I have it on good authority that this is your very first Meet the Artist interview, so maybe a quick round of applause for getting up here. Thanks. And uh, as Mary Wood likes to say, since we are here to meet the artist, let's start with hearing a little bit about you. Um, can you tell us about where you're from and how you first got into ballet? So I was born in China and raised in a northeast small city uh, called Anshan. Mm, um, I have a big family, but no one does anything related to art, which I'm the only one. Surprise. Uh, but my parents always thought, you know, I'm very active. I always run to places, maybe try something either sporty or, you know, dancing. So uh, she threw me into the studio. That's how I started when I was uh, somewhere around seven or eight year old. And then... Um, parents made a big decision to put me, uh, send me to Beijing to train as a professional dancer, ballet dancer, actually. It was a very brave decision from them as well, because ballet is not uh, Asian art. So it was a tough and big decision that they made, and I'm glad. <laughs> So how old were you when you went away to Beijing for school? I was 10-year-old. Oh, wow. it's yeah. really young. And what was that transition like, moving to go study ballet full-time as a 10-year-old? be honest, it was quite easy. 
Because my parents are very strict. <laughs> I was just trying to get away, <laughs> basically. But you know, uh, but it comes from training and everyday uh, learning. It was very difficult, very hard, mentally and physically, as a little young boy. And then you know, I'm wondering actually, like, oh, what if I didn't come? Because it was so. So hard, and then, but I made it. It was seven years in Beijing, and then I came to the San Francisco Valley School. After that, all right. So you're you're getting ahead of me. You come to the San Francisco Valley School, seventeen. How did you end up here? What brought you to San Francisco in the first place? Was it an audition? Was it a competition? What got you here? Also, it's a kind of an odd story. I have an aunt lives in. The states, Sacramento, actually, and I did a competition in China, which was only in China, and I won. I came down to third place, and then she gave me a big congratulations, and then she actually bought me a flight ticket to here and surprised me. I was like, "Here's your ticket," and then nice aunt. Yeah, I know she. Yeah, she's amazing, and then. But we need a good reason to get the visa done because back then it wasn't too easy to do a travel visa. So my cousin,、uh, my aunt's daughter, found the school, found out the school is auditioning. So this was on the. <laughs> so you reason, came、yeah. with the, for the purpose of auditioning for the school. Yes. Yes, <laughs> but I didn't want to do it at first because I thought I was on vacation, but. <laughs> My aunt for, kind of forced me. He's like, "Since you're here, why don't you give a try?" I was like, "All right, let's let's see it." And then I just put on some tights and shoes, took Parish Maynard, which is the former teacher here, and then、um, luckily Haugi and Lola was by the door watching me back then. And then they found me. They、uh, kept me. The end of the section, and then I'm like, I I don't know, I don't, I didn't speak English, and then, what did I do wrong? <laughs> you know, like I have a proper visa, like don't, you know, I didn't do anything wrong, and then they told me to finish the school in Beijing and come here right afterwards. Don't go anywhere else. So I was. Very grateful for their decisions as well. It's a great story. And so, when you first came, you came into the trainee program, or、um, into the. Level eight, actually, Level eight. but、okay. only half year, and then trainee right after that. Okay,、um, can you tell us a little bit about maybe how San Francisco Ballet School, either Level Eight or the trainee program, what differed from your experience、uh, at the school in Beijing?、Uh, for me, I had my most technical training done in Beijing. So, for Level Eight and trainee, especially. By the time it was Patrick Armand、uh, is a director already for the school, so、um, I found he's also he he's a very strict teacher, and I, I loved him, and I still taking his class sometimes. The training program I found is very amazing. Is that you、uh, transfer from a student and then to a professional dancer? It's a very very important bridge in between. Because sometimes you might get lost. So sometimes it takes、um, certain dancers a long time to transform. Because it's not easy to 
do it in front of the, uh, you know, in the studio in front of teachers, and then you just go out on the stage and perform in front of three thousand audience, which it's a different story. But I found it's very helpful that uh, Patrick. I got to perform a lot in the trainee program. We have lots of opportunities also. That uh, we get to join the company rehearsals sometimes, like Don Quixote, Cordy Ballet. There, you can see some of the trainees here performing with the company, which is you know great opportunity. It's amazing. Yeah, the trainees get to perform their own little shows, and then they also perform with the company, and they just get so much performance experience in that year or two years they spend in that organization. Um, <clears throat> one last sort of about your life and training, and then we'll move into Don Quixote. But you know, you said it's always a transition to get out on a stage and be in front of 3,000 people. Is that something that kind of came naturally to you, performing, or are you more of someone who, you know, loves to be in the studio and this makes you nervous? So I'm more like a person, if there, there are more people watching, I get excited, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> it's a good thing in yeah, I mean, performing career. Me. And then... Um, it, when when I'm confident, I'm rehearsed well. I'm very confident in front of people. Then I get very excited about it. I don't I don't feel that it's a um, too hard of thing for me to do it uh, on stage, from studio to stage. Um, but stage is a magical thing for me. That when the beautiful house like this and full of people there they're keen to see your show and then you build this connection with each of the audience members and then you know you don't get this you don't get this chance a lot in your normal life so it's really special I even I was backstage earlier today and walked across the stage and just thought it is so cool that we get to work in this building um okay so speaking of performing uh, this week, we are performing uh, Don Quixote, choreographed by Helgi Thomason and Yuri Posakoff after the version by Marius Petipa and adapted by Alexander Gorski. A lot of versions, Don Quixote. Um, and we got to see you premiere in the role of Basilio on Sunday. So congrats, first off. Thanks it was beautiful. It was wonderful. Is um, Basilio a part you've always wanted to do? Has it been kind of on your list or was it a surprise for you? Yeah, actually, it's kind of a surprise for me because um, I'm newly promoted, and then I know my strength as a dancer. There are certain things I I don't feel comfortable or confident to do it because there's it's a lot of uh, tricks and, and very technical. But um, I'm but I'm actually glad I got this chance to do it to experience this character. It's it's fun. It's lots of joy. It's a very uh, cheeky. It's a different character than I, you know, I experienced before. So I'm glad I got this chance to do it. So um, for audience members who may not be totally familiar with the story of Don Quixote, can you tell us a little bit about the story and who Basilio is within that story? Uh, so this is this show is called Don Quixote, but the main characters. It's not Don Quixote. That's the thing. The, it's, it's based on the book, but this is only um, a small part of the journey that he took. It, he's a crazy guy. He imagined things. He, you know, he dreamed about things. This is the only s small part of his adventure that he's taking. He thinks 
you know, things are monsters and then people are, you know, enemies, stuff like that. And then he came to this town, he met a beautiful girl, Kitre, and then his boyfriend by the time, uh, Basilio. So uh, it's mostly the story is focusing on this amazing couple, their journey to be getting together and then, but not approved by their parents, mostly the father. And then finally, Dong Kyu kind of forced him to, you know, agree. They are t- amazing together, just, you know, be. And then he moved on to his next adventure. Which we don't have a ballet about. Yeah, uh, you have to read the book for his next adventure, I think. So one of the really fun things about this ballet, and this, it, this ballet is just fun. Like, that's really the only word to describe it. Um, but one of the fun things about it is that it's very funny. There's a lot of mime. There's a lot of acting. Um, the interactions between Keytrain and Basilio are often very funny, as well as between the other characters. Um, is that sort of being funny something you've done a lot in your career, or was that new, and how did you prepare for it? This is new. <laughs> for sure, this is new. I'm more of a serious guy, but not, not really. <laughs> um, no, I, I it didn't, because the, the good thing is about this ballet, naturally, the bass is a crowd pleaser. That's what I called. And number one thing to do to prepare this role is to work the crowd. You have to sort of push up your uh, energy level to give out, like the energy should be out there so to uh, make everyone feel it so that everyone gets it. And then the, all the comedy things... Um, when we rehearsed it, I want to I, I say this real quick because I really want to thank uh, every single of the Cour de Ballet and my, especially my partner in the, sh- in the show Kitre played by Doris Andrews. Everyone made it so easy for me to be funny because the comedy is about the timing. Yeah, the comedy is about the timing. It has to be right. Everyone has to be, be there with you to make the funny moments happen but uh, in order to do that I have to do my own homework to work on my face, work on my body language and also um, lucky enough I have all the friends supporting me on stage so every time I look around people are like giving me energy to you know make funny body language I love that. In in preparing for the role, both sort of these you know comic timing moments, but also the dancing, do you tend to go look at video or watch other dancers do it, or do you just sort of learn it yourself and work on it yourself? What's your process look like for a ballet like this? Uh, so for this version, uh, Helgi's and uh, Helgi and Yuri's version, um, my ballet master uh, was Felipe. That he chose the most right things were the most fit things for me to do because there's lots of lots of versions even in this company but also um the first time i saw this full length was uh on dvd uh performed by abt it was burishikov's version that was really classic DVD. The, yeah one of the you best you can find that on youtube yes you can find it on youtube by the way um it was amazing. It blew my mind. And then I thought it was a really fun ballet to watch, also to do, maybe someday. But by the time, I wasn't so sure. <laughs> but I got to do it. It's amazing. 
Um, one last Don Quixote question. You know, one of the things I'm struck by when I watch this ballet is just how much dancing there is in it. Um, for the whole company, it kind of feels like nobody stops dancing ever, but particularly for that central couple. You guys are just on stage, like, the entire time. How do you prepare for that, kind of both physically and mentally? Do you cross-train? Do you worry about it? Do you just go out there and do it? What's that look like? It's basically our everyday training. Um, you, every day you just have to push a little bit more. We do uh, parts by parts, and then we do push one act at a time, and then we do two acts at a time, and then finally we do the full length on stage rehearsal. And then it's a building up the stamina. The stamina is very important, and then it's a building up uh, process. We do we do everyday class to remain that stamina, but it's a lot that we sort of have just push ourselves. Yeah. So looking ahead to the rest of the season for a minute, um, we as a company and you as an artist frequently transition between really classical ballets and really contemporary ballets. This one's on the classical side, very classical, as is Sleeping Beauty coming up uh, in March. Um, but like... In two weeks, we go into programs two and three, which are really very different. Um, how do you approach that kind of transitioning between contemporary and classical? Is there one that you prefer to the other? Do you like switching back and forth? Um, I mean, I think for mentally, it, there's basically for us working, it basically just dealing with choreographies and then... Um, Sometimes stories, if it's a full length, there's a storyline where just like straight up steps. That's how we learn. Like the music, you learn the notes, but you don't really talk about if it's a waltz. But this comes afterwards. Uh, switching from contemporary and classical, if you if you do it a lot, like the season, like our uh, San Francisco Ballet season, it's quite easier. Of course, doing classical ballet is um, our basic. It's our base. We do it every day. So it comes to contemporary dancing, it's a lot easier. But it, we, it's hard to remain that. We have to everyday train in classical techniques in order to do classical and co uh, contemporary, if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. So I am going to open us up to questions from the audience after I ask one more. So you have a minute to kind of think about it. Um, when you're not here at San Francisco Ballet in this building at all hours, the day and night, what else do you do outside of this? Very normal person. I <laughs> hang out at home, watch a movie, and um, learn ballets just by watching it. Sometimes, like, sometimes I watch ballets, watch the pieces we're about to perform or working on recently. Like, sometimes I just watch it. I don't even use my mind. I just, you know, watch through things. So to get the time pass, get my body rested, and then I do jacuzzis. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to do, <laughs> to rest my body, just to, you know, ease Great. my mind. <laughs> recovery. So we will take some questions. I will repeat the question so that everybody can hear it. Question. So the question is, um, has any of Wei's family come here to see him dance, and what do they think about his career here in the U.S.? Uh, of course, they were super worried at first, but they came to see my Nutcracker show 
not too long ago, this uh, the last December, I mean it was this December. They were amazed. They absolutely just no words. I I give them I give them a backstage tour, and they were totally just like mind blown. First time seeing this something like this so huge, but they were just all they said it was so proud of me, and then can't believe. We just sent you off. You're so little, and now you're doing great things with great company. Just proud, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So the question、um, is about sort of the difference between a story ballet and a more abstract ballet, and how you、um, prepare, kind of mentally and physically, get into character for those two types of work.、Uh, for me, for like the story ballet、uh, narrative, it's、um, harder. Always, always harder for me because there's a, there's a setup, there's a character. You have to do it right. You have to do the character. You have to do the emotion, physically acting like the character. But for abstract ballet, you sort of sometimes you have to make it up yourself. Say today I want to be a prince, but I my body moves like crazy. It might not looks like a prince, but my、uh, mind treats me like a prince. But some sometimes, my mind just. Most, I mean, for me, most of the time, just treat me, treat myself like a crazy person <laughs> in the studio, just to get the things done and then do the、um, do the thing that choreographer wants, and then to、uh, put it on stage. It's a different feeling as well.、Uh, another another thing I talked about it is to build a connection with the audience. On top of that, and the the story ballets has to also. Go under the line, do the character, and also connect. If that answers your question. Great. Yes, right here. So the question is:、uh, Who are ballet dancers or choreographers from around the world, living or dead, who you most are inspired by or admire?、Uh, I love this question because <laughs>、um, this is the thing we talk about.、Um, we in, during the season,、uh, um, especially we have a new to. Premiere happening this season, choreographed by Yuri Pasikov and Leon Scarlett. This is a luxury for the dancers to experience the choreographers in this world come to us so close, and then to learn from them, to be inspired. Also,、uh, now this is a website, the internet. It's very easy to、um, to research to get the.、Uh, You know, informations from all over the world.、Uh, there, there were so many, too many、um, choreographers and dancers in the world inspired me.、Um, but mo- mostly, I look into、uh, pieces, ballets. I, I don't normally find one person or and just you know stock <laughs> stock them and then to get the most out of out of it. Like I, I go project to project.、I've, one day I feel like. Maybe I'll watch Dunkyu. Maybe I'll watch Sleeping Beauty. I found I found those、uh, different companies and different、uh, dancers in the world. How they are approaching the characters, how they are telling their story. I get inspirations from them. Yeah. I think we have time for one or two more questions. Yes, back here. Yeah. So、um, correct me if I don't quite get this right, but I think the question is about. Um, kind of the various tasks that a male dancer is asked to do, you know, partnering on the one hand, on the other, sort of solo work, particularly jumps and turns, and the kind of big virtuosic elements. And you know, 
how do you balance that in what you're doing? What do you sort of tend toward more naturally? And um, also, how do you find that kind of balance within a company across the male dancers? Uh, so the parts that um, the parts I do myself, mostly the solo stuff, um, it's just come to my training, and then it's basically every day trained. The partnering stuff, it's not. We don't train it every day basic but this is we all learn this we all experience this in the rehearsals in different ballets in different pieces and projects so um, basically um, partnering is building relationship with another person in in the company and then it's a lot I for me it's harder to dance myself because not only I have to know what she uh, what she does in front of me and also I need to use my strength to support her to make her look beautiful in front of me and also I have to remain my you know position you also to, have yeah. to look beautiful at the same time <laughs> yes and that's the harder part um, so that in order to uh, achieve both that you just not only everyday training and also you know, really take care of every rehearsal, the chances you can get to partner a different dancer or work with another dancer to work together. Yeah, it's a different, um, it's a different concept when you dance alone. I think we have time for one more question. Yes, right here. So have you yet danced your dream role? And if not, what is it and why? No. <laughs> I mean, there's... Lots of roles, lots of ballets, lots of positions um, in different pieces I want to do. There's a lot, but there's one particular one I've always looked up to. And then, well, again, it's like another thing I'm not confident to do it. Maybe someday I will do it. That role is uh, Onegin in Onegin. It's an amazing ballet. And then... Um, also, it's a crowd pleaser, and then also it has a it's a narrative, amazing story. I hope just get to do something. I hope we get to see you do that someday too. We've put it out into the universe now, right? It's out there. All right, thank you all so much. Thank you so much, Wei. Really thank enjoyed you. Thank this. You so much. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, guys, and enjoy the performance tonight. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.